Hello, my name is Shweta Sneha. I am the Founder, Executive Director, and Professor of Healthcare Management and Informatics at Kennesaw State University. I lead KSU's strategy to innovate and design the healthcare of the future while optimizing industry academic partnerships. In that role, I collaborate heavily with teams of industry, academic, technology, and healthcare experts to identify gaps and opportunities in healthcare delivery and practice to, to create innovative, scalable solutions that empower and enhance patients' healthcare journey and outcomes. Um, I have over two decades of experience in healthcare and technology, and I've been very fortunate to be recognized by the industry in multiple different ways, few of which are being recognized as Titan 100, as the Woman of the Year uh, in 2022, and as one of the TAG Tech Leader of the Year. Really happy to have uh, Sai join the podcast today. Sai, over to you. Hi, my name is Sai Medapali, and I'm one of the founders of Vital. Vital is a largely high school student-led startup, and to date we've raised about $1.3 million at a $12.5 million valuation. And everyone who's a part of Vital comes from a background in extensive academic research in institutions like Harvard and MIT. And what we're building at Vital is we're building Neuros. And Neuros is essentially an application that leverages eye tracking for the remote monitoring of brain health from the comfort of your home. All right, that's fantastic, Sai. Um, so I'm going to start it off with uh, just curious. Can you provide the audience with a brief background um, on Vital as, as a founder or co-founder? Yep, of course. So as I briefly stated at the start, uh, at least from a personal perspective as well, um, the core motivation behind Vital has always been a realization that a lot of scientific research ends at the publication stage. And this realization sort of sparked Vital because I came to an understanding that, you know, money is essentially moving the field of medicine around the world. And to push technology in the healthcare space, it's best to do it from a startup angle, which we've chosen to do at Vital. Who is your co-founder? Um, yes, yeah, so my co-founder is Rohan Kalahasti, who's, you know, who started off as being one of my best friends in high school, and then we ended up becoming business partners um, through our time at Vital together. Um, and I sort of serve as the more neuroscience and business side of Vital, and Rohan is sort of our tech genius, being a machine learning intern at Harvard's Ophthalmology AI Lab. Nice. Um, so just, you know, if you can talk a little bit more about what are and why are eye tracking tests used in medicine? Of course. So for decades, eye tracking has been, you know, recognized as an amazing proxy for your brain health. Uh, even today, the primary tests that are used for, let's say, concussion diagnosis are having athletes or potential people inflicted with a concussion tracking a light or a lamp with their eyes. And the reason for this is because the eyes potentially have the strongest neural connections to your brain, which is why eye tracking tests, again, have for decades been used as a proxy for brain health. And the issue that we're currently facing is using humans as a way to analyze eye tracking has proven to err on multiple occasions, which is why at Vital, for example, we're trying to find a way to put it into the hands of a computer where we can sort of eliminate that human error and bias. 
That is great. Um, and as you're talking about it, it was just, what are the biases that you have inherently seen um, in eye tracking that has led to human error that's, that you're trying to eliminate through vital? Yeah, so I'd say the primary issue at hand or bias is that the ways each of our eyes move is different from person to person, right? For us, it may seem pretty linear, but the minute changes that need to be identified when it comes to a neurogenerative diagnosis are so minute and small and can vary so much from person to person that it's virtually impossible for a human with more than about 60% accuracy to correctly identify whether a person is indeed experiencing cicadic movements, for example, or reflexes that are a sign of Alzheimer's, or if they're just distracted by something in the background. So where is your, um, where is your funding coming from? And uh, how and why did you develop your product? I, I know you've talked about some of this in the past, but. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so our beta test is currently live at app.vital.ai for any of the listeners to uh, try out. And mm -hmm. in terms of the development, it took us about, I would say three to four months of straight building to reach mm -hmm. the current beta stage. Um, and we had about 18 months prior to that where we were continuously iterating upon a smartphone version and then switching up the modality that we used. And the final product that we came to today, which is a laptop based application, uh, took mm -hmm. again about three to four months. And in terms of funding, we took a relatively common route in the startup space by reaching out to venture capitals. But the unique approach that we took with Vital is we noticed that startup funding had become really dry in the US, especially in healthcare technology, because of the long time that it took for VCs to get returns, right? Because any healthcare startup, it takes almost years before they even see revenue, which is why a lot of American investors stray away from med tech, which is why what we did at Vital is we instead focused more on international investors, specifically in the UK and India, where the startup hype is at its peak right now, especially regarding healthcare technology. So that's been the primary place we've targeted for Vital. And thanks to the help of VCs like Powerhouse Ventures and Diamond Investments, we were able to raise the majority of our seed funding. That is fantastic. So you're getting a lot of support from the international global market already. Mm -hmm. And I would assume the uh, you will have a market for your product in the global economy as well, because there is always a dearth of first line responders anytime there is a situation like this that arises. Exactly, yes. And that's been another huge initiative at Vital is we wanted to promote awareness surrounding brain health internationally. Right. Because the fact of the matter is currently brain health awareness is not at the point where, let's say, like cardiac health awareness is right. Almost everyone internationally, for the most part, has a worry in the back of their mind or a motive to check up their cardiac health, make sure, you know, everything in their heart is working correctly. But a lot of people haven't gotten to that point yet with brain health, which is why we've targeted, especially international countries, right? And countries around the world, not like the United States or more westernized countries, where they haven't even thought about brain health or even thought about considering the fact that there could be issues underlying in their brain health. Yeah, um, I mean, even after yarns of healthcare being in existence, brain is still one of the the most under the most the least understood 
organ. Mm -hmm. we, we, try, we, uh, we, we try our best, but the ears, we're still kind of getting into the realms of it. So I'm, I'm glad you're working on this at the forefront. Um, so moving on, so from a medical perspective, of course, eye health optimizes overall well-being and quality of life. So what is the status of eye health technologies and AI that healthcare providers can offer to their patients through telehealth? Since you've probably done some research in that vein before you launched Vital. Mm -hmm. Yep, so the telehealth boom that was ignited as a result of COVID was a primary motivator in starting Vital in the first place because it showed us that there was a marginal, marginally sized group of people that were interested in at-home care. But the issue with eye tracking technology and its AI implementation specifically is that currently leaders in the space include companies like Toby, where using their technology requires the purchase of eye tracking headsets that can cost upwards of thousands of dollars. Right. And that essentially removes the point of telehealth. Right. Because when it comes to a telehealth perspective, you want to remove as much friction as possible for a patient and having them purchase or even having a hospital purchase and send them equipment to use at their home removes the essence of what it means to be have like a telehealth visit, which is why at Vital we're trying to make it so that it can seamlessly be integrated in simply just your laptop or your phone where it can be a direct process integrated into a telehealth checkup where it doesn't require external equipment or external monitoring. Right, and that would, that would definitely increase access and opportunity, especially because you're trying to target uh, the vast market in the, in, in the global economy. Mm -hmm. Great. Um, so, so just talk about the, the eye tracking technology and how it can help healthcare providers identify ocular biomarkers that point to conditions such as Alzheimer's and other neuro neurodegenerative diseases. Of course. So one example that Rohan and I like to speak about a lot is a specific ocular biometric known as mm -hmm. eye latency. And what exactly eye latency is, is it measures the, re the latency or the time it takes for a person to quickly shift their gaze to a new point of interest, right? And this specific biometric has largely been linked to Alzheimer's. So people with Alzheimer's essentially have a heightened latency where it takes them a longer time to properly first perceive and shift their eye to a new point of interest, right? Mm -hmm. And this is an, a perfect example of how Vital or specifically our application Neuros can help identify um, conditions like Alzheimer's because what we do is essentially through longitudinal tracking, we identify a baseline for a healthy individual without any infliction of Alzheimer's or other neurogenic diseases. And using that baseline as a comparison factor, we're able to easily see if there's any detrimental changes that are occurring in a person's eye latency from time to time, which is a very, very strong sign of, for example, let's say Alzheimer's. That is interesting. Have you um, have you already started thinking of some use cases in, as you're trying to build your product? Mm -hmm. Yep. So at the start, our primary use case was aimed towards direct diagnosis and screening. But over mm -hmm. time, we realized that a lot of doctors aren't at the stage where they're comfortable enough with AI to recommend 
a solution like that to their patients. And we also realized that we didn't feel comfortable giving patients a strict, rigorous diagnosis, right? Putting them into the confines of, let's say, a percentage chance, for example. So instead, we decided to pivot to sort of work analogous to a tool like a blood pressure machine, where we simply just output the ocular metrics and then let a doctor or a neurologist do a more in-depth analysis of these metrics and draw a more concrete diagnosis. And one of the main use cases that has arisen uh, to date, in addition to obviously the telehealth space, is clinical trials. Recently, the FDA has been approving um, Alzheimer's treatments after years of research. And due to these new approvals that are occurring, there needs to be a way for these pharmaceutical companies to prove that their treatments do indeed regress different diseases like Alzheimer's. And using a tool like Vitals, they're able to statistically and mathematically show over time how exactly these illnesses are being regressed by use of their treatment. Oh, that is great. And the clinical trial market will be loving it because uh, it, it's it's so hard to to objectively identify how a certain kind of treatment is changing or impacting. So if this is if you're spitting out metrics that is very objective and it can be tracked over time, I'm sure they'll be loving it. Of course. Um, all right. So considering how AI has transformed medicine and care and with the rise of digital medicine and tele-ophthalmology, um, you know, I know THMT has published articles in the area. How is the gateway to brain health growing in adoption in tandem with telehealth? Of course. So I would say the primary way that, you know, different methods, not just ophthalmology, but different ways or biometrics of tracking brain health. Like there's been recent research that has been published by the University of Pittsburgh professors where they've identified certain blood tests that can be used for better diagnosis of Alzheimer's and other mm -hmm. neurodegenerative illnesses. So as a whole, the research that has been done to find other metrics for brain health has mm -hmm. perfectly grown in tandem with telehealth because telehealth has forced people to start thinking of more non-routinely ways, I would say, of mm -hmm. analyzing brain health, right? Because prior to the telehealth boom, there was a large concern with implementing digital medicine, right? Because very few people would just choose to stay in their home rather than go in for a physical checkup. But because of the telehealth rise, people are more willing to adopt technology and other factors in their checkup process. So I think the telehealth boom has served many benefits that aren't immediately noticeable. No, true, 100%. And uh, you know, going further, what would you ultimately like to achieve with this neurodegenerative disease identifier? And, you know, where do you see this in the next five, 10 years? Yeah. So all things considered from a vital specific goal, we would obviously prefer for neuros to be adopted to the stage where it becomes the state of the art, right? tool that is used across hospitals, pharmaceutical companies, etc., as the premier way to quantitatively mm -hmm. add metrics to the identification of different neurogenerative diseases like we talked about earlier. But mm -hmm. a larger lens than just vital 
as a whole, we'd prefer that we served as a stepping stone for other companies, right, to also push for digital biometric based calculations of a variety of conditions throughout the body. And even with the public itself, there's rampant skepticism that currently surrounds AI implementation in healthcare. So we hope that with startups like Vital, especially hoping for future success, we hope to change the minds of the countless skeptics around the world, because the first barrier to overcome when building a solution like this is first convincing the people to try it in the first place. So that's definitely something that we are really, really hoping to change as we move forward with Vital. Okay. And where is your vision for Vital? Where do you think it will be in the next five years, 10 years? Yep. So in the next five to 10 years, we primarily hope to have it be integrated into existing telehealth platforms to the point where it becomes as integral to a physical checkup as getting your height checked or your weight checked or even your blood pressure checked. I think that would be phenomenal because if, if it becomes part of your annual visit, mm -hmm. then you will actually be able to, uh, to predict if, if there are any changes. And I'm assuming your, your machine learning algorithm is, is, has predictive capacity or is it because uh, I know you mentioned that right now it's just going to spit out numbers but it's not going to have any diagnostics associated with it are you planning to have or build some of that in in future mm -hmm. yeah so our next update for the beta app at least in the mm -hmm. upcoming few months is actually to add a preliminary screening um, counterpart to what we currently have built with Neuros. So we still are going to primarily focus on just outputting the numbers, but we're going to mm -hmm. add with it a brief description or interpretation of what these numbers mean to the common person who may not be well versed in, you know, ocular biometrics. Um, so we're still not going to get to the stage where we're saying that there's like a 96% chance we have Alzheimer's, but we're going to get yeah. to the stage where we can at least say, you know, there seems to be some signs of cognitive decline. So it may be beneficial to check with your neurologist. Yeah, I think that's fair mm -hmm. because, you, you know, um, if it's going to be analogous to a blood pressure monitor, you don't want the, the person just looking at the numbers to, to say, oh, you're going to, you're having a heart attack or, this is this is going to cause a big cardiac condition very soon. You want to be able to give them some 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 advice, but not really diagnose diagnostics. Exactly. All right, and um, you know, both Tori and I, of course, we are very impressed by your background, uh, and the very fact that you're doing this as a high schooler at Thomas Jefferson. That's beyond impressive, and and light years ahead of your age. What advice would you have for people who are trying to follow in your footsteps on what they should be doing, what they should be looking into, what gaps have you seen that you still think that needs fresh pair of eyes? Yeah, of course. So I'd say specifically for entrepreneurs interested in the healthcare tech space, um, there's often a misconception that there's huge competition within the market because of like instances like the the battle between AliveCore and Apple for EK, the EKG patents and et cetera. There's this perception that the healthcare tech space is very competitive, like most other industries when it comes to startups. But one specific thing that we've learned at Vital is a lot of healthcare tech entrepreneurs aren't in it for the money. 
a lot of them are working just solely for the opportunity to make change in the world. Because something that's that really resonated with us that we we've heard from a lot of successful healthcare entrepreneurs is if any entrepreneur is aiming to simply just make money, healthcare tech is definitely not the right industry for them. Because at the end of the day, the amount of time it takes to push out a product and the time it takes to develop a, you know, an audience and a consumer's like a long term consumer basis is so long in healthcare tech that your motivation cannot simply just be revenue, but it has to be to make a change. So my main piece of advice for people interested in the space would be to first be honest with themselves about whether or not the problem they're hoping to solve is something of actual personal value to them, because it'll be paramount throughout their entrepreneurship journey that they sort of remind themselves the reason why they're building their startup in the first place to make sure they're not cutting corners or making any potential you know, mistakes or short taking any shortcuts that may harm the startup later on in the future. That's actually a great piece of advice you know, to make sure that you're doing the work where your passion lies, because that's going to take you furthest. Mm -hmm. And also impacting the community along the way. That's um, very well said. Um, and you are, you're still in high school. What is, um, what is your vision for you and plan for both you and Rohan? I know you're speaking for Rohan since he's not here. Yep. Yeah, so Rohan and I have had a lot of back and forth about what our plans are post high school, because mm -hmm. most of our high school experience has largely revolved around Vital for the most part. Um, we've definitely prioritized Vital more times than I can count over even like homework and tests. Um, and I would say going to college, um, we did have a conversation where we were we were wondering whether it was even worth it to go to college when you already have the sort of mission in front of us that we hope to pursue for the rest of our lives. But our main motivation is to just surround ourselves with like-minded people, right? And surround ourselves with talent um, that could be great, you know, people who, to work with for our startup and also just motivate ourselves. Because one thing we realized in high school was being around so many smart people, especially going to one of the best high schools in the country, it really pushed us to continue working on Vital, especially when there were times we felt like giving up. So I'd say that's mm -hmm. our primary motivation um, to going to college in the first place is definitely that community. Um, and we are exploring an opportunity to potentially do a deferred enrollment for the first year. So we essentially mm -hmm. take one or two gap years before we actually start college to hopefully mm -hmm. reach a better point of like taking a break with Vital, um, seeing how its progress changes throughout the next few years. But I would say we definitely are interested in going to college in the near future. So Nice. And are you planning to pursue um, your college degree in healthcare, technology or a mix of both? Because you can do that now. Yeah, so I know my co-founder Rohan is interested in pursuing a degree in computer science. I myself have really explored um, these amazing programs that have started in a variety of colleges where it's a mix of healthcare and entrepreneurship. Like, yeah. for example, I know UPenn has a LSM program where it's essentially a dual degree in both life sciences and management. So that's mm -hmm. definitely, you know my focus and my interest is to hopefully be able to do a dual degree where I sort of stay in the healthcare space while also balancing an education and management. I think that's fantastic. All the very best to both to both of you, Sai. And um, really excited for where the future will be for Vital and where you will be in the next few years. We will definitely be following you. Um, Tori, do you have do you have anything to add? 
And I wanted to, before we end, I do want to, um, to thank Tori and for um, telemedicine and healthcare today to give us this platform to, to bring vital to all of you and to be able to bring um, bring entrepreneurs like Sai and Rohan onto this platform to to motivate and further inspire people.